Welcome to Tech Talk Nation, talking about the latest tech, industry news, and hot topics. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit our website at techtalknation.com. Good evening and welcome to Tech Talk Nation. I'm your host, Matt Fitzgerald, and we have a show for you tonight. It has been a very big week in tech from Apple to Google having two wonderful events, their own custom silicone, some new Macs, and some new phones. So we have a lot to cover tonight, and without further ado, I am joined once again by my co-hosts, Matt Grislow and Ryan Eastman, and we're going to go through all of it for you today. So, yes, that's, uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. It's been a busy, busy couple of days here. That is for sure. Right, guys? How are you doing? Uh, I got, I'm a furniture owner now. I have a couch. That's that's a plus. Congratulations! <laughs> My first piece of big furniture I, I purchased as a as there a big boy adult with. Yeah, so. very nice, very. I nice. Think it's good and a lot of tech news. A lot of so, tech news, definitely. Tons. Well, before we go into that, uh, just make sure to follow us on social media. We're going to be um, posting more about stuff like that, and we're going to let you know when we're going to be having shows and covering stuff. So, um, going to be a lot of fun. And today's show. We got something special for you. I uh, let I let Grizzlow take the reins on the Apple event here, and uh, he's going to be providing a little bit of a summary, and then we're going to go into a little bit of our thoughts and our takes on um, all of Apple's news. So, without further ado, Mr. Grizzlow, take us away. Thanks, Fitz. Um, so, Apple or Google has uh, been known to have known to have been having the Pixel event this week for uh, a few weeks. All of a sudden, last week, uh, in the middle of nowhere, I think it was like last Wednesday or Thursday night, they dropped an invite for an in event on Monday, the day before uh, Google's event. Um, most definitely and obviously for non-phone things, but nonetheless, um, they, they very clearly planned it uh, the day before that uh, Google event. And so... They uh, announced some new products and some new services, and uh, I just want to quickly go over them. Um, there wasn't a lot, but what was there was uh, pretty jam-packed. It was a 53-minute keynote, um, and they broke down a few of their new uh, products. So uh, new HomePod minis, nothing new about them except for colors. There's like a blue, uh, gold, and like a, I don't know, a dust or a rust color. Um, that's it. Um, new AirPods, uh, a new AirPods uh, main sort of... Um, mainline product, their their base model uh, version. This is version three. Um, notable uh, upgrades, a new design. Um, they they have more of the plastic look of the. Well, I can't show you them because I, I have them on, but more of the uh, the AirPod Pros, uh, just minus the silicone uh, tip. Um, they have most of the other features that the pros have just, they don't have uh, the noise canceling modes. Um, one of the big notable changes though, in this uh, base model AirPod that actually do make it a bit better than the pros is uh, the pros have a four and a half hour battery life on their own. These new ones have a six hour battery life combined with the case. The AirPod pros get up to 24 hours with the case. The AirPod threes get 30 hours of battery life. So that's a big improvement. Um, over not just the old AirPods um, that are, I think, actually these, um, but also over the standard Pros. Um, I think that's about it. 
Uh, they also charged with MagSafe. They also uh, then backtracked and said that the AirPod Pros work with MagSafe. Um, so that's good to know. And uh, that's about it for the AirPods uh, 3s. Again, just about the same as the Pros, um, except no noise uh, canceling features and um, better battery life, uh, which is interesting. Uh, now came the big portion of the event, the Max. Um, App- Apple decided to unle- uh, unveil two new Macs um, in addition to two brand new chips. They touted the new M1 chip, I believe, a year and a half to two years ago. And now uh, they unveiled uh, sort of improvements on that chip, the M1 uh, Pro and the M1 Max. Um, so there's the has that right there. I've got some of the specs here, some of the big uh, points. Uh, I'll go over the Pro first and then the Max. On the Pro, it's uh, got a 10-core CPU uh, with eight performance cores and two efficiency cores. Uh, it has a 16-core GPU. Um, a up, and These are all, I guess, the max specs of the Pro. 16-core um, neural engine with a 200 uh, gigabit per second memory bandwidth, which is pretty good. Um, things It does uh, video encoding and decoding, as well as uh, ProRes uh, functionality, as well as ProRes RAW. Um, now on the side of the uh, M1 Max chip, you have a 10-core CPU with eight performance cores uh, and two efficiency cores, 30, up to 32-core uh, GPU, 16-core uh, uh, neural engine, and 400 gigabit per second memory bandwidth. That's pretty dang good. Um, and then they talk about this unified memory. They, they've sort of reworked their, their memory. And so now uh, on the, the Max, you can get... Uh, up to 64 gigabytes, and on the Pro, you can get 32 gigabytes. Specifically for the Pros now, uh, they have a 14 and 16-inch model. Uh, you can uh, you can make or configure them with either of the chips. Um, they start uh, pretty expensive now. The 14-inch starts at 1999, and the 16-inch starts at 2499. So this is a this is a uh, computer for Pros, but I will say. This computer is built for pros. Apple finally stepped up to the plate and they did a lot of things that are going to make a lot of consumers happy. They got rid of the touch bar. No more uh, touch bar. They brought back function keys. Uh, they added back MagSafe, an interesting uh, design decision. And not the MagSafe that they recently unveiled with their phones, but the previous generation uh, MagSafe te- uh, charging technology that was used on the old MacBooks. Um, they also brought back ports. We have ports and ports galore. Um, there are three Thunderbolt 4 USB-C ports, uh, an HDMI port, an SD uh, card slot port, as well as your 3.5 millimeter jack uh, port. And I believe there's also uh, two more USB-C ports with Thunderbolt uh, 4. Or I guess, yeah, it's three. So two on one side, one on the other. Um so we're bringing back ports. It also has, as you can see, uh, a new kind of design. Um, I, we were talking in, in the pre-show about this, Fitz and I were. Um, it's interesting to see the design language shift back. Um, the, the last sort of push in design language is more towards this flat, um, very uh, obelisk-type uh, design. And this new design harkens back to an older one we've seen in the previous MacBooks, um, albeit in a more plastic iteration but you have that again that curved uh beveled edge um probably some different uh 
design changes on the back of the display. Um, speaking of the display, they actually have improved it. They included mini LED technology. Um, let me get my notes. Uh, mini LED technology with essentially the same technology they have in their uh, liquid retina XDR displays that they sell for the Macs. Um, they are up to a thousand nits in brightness um, and in full screen brightness and 1600 nits peak brightness. Um, and then they have all the other cool things that a lot of these uh, computers have, wide color P3 gamut, true tone tech. Um, they do have promotions. So promotions now on the Mac, you can go from, I believe it was, uh, was it one to 120 or 10 to 120 Hertz? 10 um, to 120. Either way. Okay. Well, I know, I know Google was 10 to 120 and I want to make sure that it's, it is the same for Apple. I believe um, so. It's either 10 or 20. Okay. Um, some other notable things that they've changed. Um, they've gotten rid of the bezels and the forehead and now the, uh, dreaded notch has been, uh, brought to the, the, the MacBooks. Uh, I don't really love it. Um, but that's my personal opinion. Um, they've shrunk the bezels ever so slightly on the sides. Um, and they have these new rubber feet. Um, as for the battery life on the 16 inch, you're going to get up to 21 hours and up to 17 hours on the, uh, 14 inch. Um, am I missing anything? Storage size is up to eight terabytes, uh, for both models starting at 512 gigabytes. That's a pretty big SSD. Um, and they've upgraded the camera to 1080p um, technology, which was, uh, they really should have. About four <laughs> it, to five generations time. overdue. 720p Honestly. was aging a little poorly. Um, finally, some things, some final things. Uh, they've upgraded the audio. I believe it's two tweeters and four subs. Um, they make a big deal of it. I, I find it interesting considering they make accommodations for all kinds of um, other bigger headphones and they made a big deal of actually the um the the impedance yes thank you the impedance of the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack uh to accommodate some of these bigger drivers and, and bigger headphones uh, more, more pro setups um but again i find it interesting that they had in, improved the um other audio so much more um keyboard wise again they got rid of the function or they brought back the function keys getting rid of that touch bar um, they blacked out uh, between the keys, which is a new interesting design choice. Um, and now there's Touch ID in uh, that top function row of keys. Wi-Fi 6, Bluetooth 5, and all those ports. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, the 60-inch charges uh, up to, looks like, 140 watts and, and up to 96 on the 14-inch, um, depending on how you configure it. It was an interesting event. I don't think anyone was anticipating it being so short. Um, I guess, and I suppose we weren't anticipating uh, a certain product other than maybe the AirPods 3. I know I was looking forward to a new Mac Mini as well as, um, yeah, a new Mac Mini, a, a possibly a new Mac Pros or, or the ability to configure Mac Pros with the new chips, and I hope you can. Um, but gentlemen... What did we think? I know we were in live chatting or not live chatting, but talking amongst ourselves during the event. And um, there were some interesting things about these new chips. I think that's probably the biggest focus. I we want to just double back and cover those first two or three things real quick. 
and then get yeah. to the meat and potatoes. Sure. Sure. Let's do that. Go ahead. Ryan. So what is it? HomePods, AirPods. HomePods. Oh, no, no, no. no. I just wanted to deal with those first and then we can just focus. Yes. Uh, HomePods yeah. and AirPods. Uh, I don't know. Siri in general has not been the most useful assistant. So HomePod doesn't seem like it has a great home to me, ironically. <laughs> uh, mm. AirPods, you know, it's good to have an upgrade. I'm not surprised the battery life's longer. They don't have to deal with noise cancellation, consumes less battery. But it's good to upgrade it. Uh, they were touting some kind of adaptive EQ thing, but that's been around for a very mm -hmm. long time. So it's just, I guess, their implementation of it. For sure. Uh, it just seems like a normal progression forward. And they updated the design language to look like the pros. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the other the other thing I just want to touch on with the HomePods, at least for me, it just seems like uh, all they did here is just make some new colors. I didn't really yeah. see anything yeah. that really stuck out to me as this is novel or interesting or anything. You were just watching a commercial for X thing in new color. And I mean, you could always change the color of something like that if you're ambitious and uh, fearless enough. Uh, <laughs> yes, that, that too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Just more of Apple's design language being forced on everybody in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, interesting to see the airpods are seem cool uh they are pricier than i thought they would be though um and are they up the price the pri they are 179 yeah. they did raise the price Ooh. of those from what they had previously uh priced the airpod uh twos at right and that's where i was kind of like huh that that's a little interesting to see i could see it with the the features that they've added and the the design language that's changed i just feel like that's a it's a little hefty of a price to pay for for those, so that's just me. I mean, it's it's a twenty dollar difference. I I believe it was, um, but I, I agree with you. Uh, in my mind, this is a natural progression of of the technology and of the of the product, and so I don't think it really warrants that much of a price um, increase. The other thing that surprised me um, was they're still selling the AirPod twos, uh, the second generation AirPods. Um, which is really interesting considering they have those, they have their updated versions, they have the pros, and they're also trying to sell the AirPods Max. Not that the lower, the lowest end AirPods is going to cannibalize the sales of the AirPods Max, just the fact <laughs> that they're selling the predecessor and the, the upgraded newest version at the same time. Um, I, I do find it interesting. Not just that, but also it's now a, like a, was it 80 less than 80 70 difference um in those pros versus the airpods max so they they really have uh even in the price said yeah these are worth it so much more that they're so much closer to the airpods pros speaking from someone who um actually does have airpods max or i'm sorry airpods pros and the standard airpods these are so much more comfortable these pros um I don't know if it's my ears or whatever, but I definitely got some weird um, wear on, on my own inside of my ears from the speaker grills of the um, AirPods second generation. I, I think this design is, is much better, even with the ear tip uh, removed from the equation. Because um, I think it is part of the allure of the pros. It's still a really great design. And so I'm glad that they've implemented that into these new pros. As far as the HomePods go, I don't believe they were trying to 
introduce anything new, really just the colors. I, I believe all those features too have been um, or had been features they announced at WWDC as features that would be included in the newest software updates for their technology and their products. Um, so I'm not really surprised and I can't really imagine myself getting one of those crazy colors unless maybe if I do for my living room, which I'm kind of going with like a blue accent color kind of palette. So maybe, right. but I don't really know. That's the only exactly. place I can see it. And honestly, and that's, the- that's all I see from that entire, um, that yeah. entire section. Uh, but the one thing we did see that I know that we all really, really want to talk about is the new MacBook Pros. Yes. Um, so I don't know um, where to start with this one. Um, why, why don't we go with You're our... very qualified, by the way, probably to talk about this, because you do have a M1 MacBook. Correct. Yes, I, I do have an M1 MacBook. It is right there. Oh, there it is. Right there. Um, but yeah, it's... I can I can go on and on about this. Um, I'll kind of give my my quick overview and the good, the bad, and the ugly um, about this, in my opinion. Um, and then we can we can open it up. In my opinion, the good. I really, really, really like that they added ports back. I think that is great. I think that is wonderful. Hold on. Wait. No, no. Okay, okay, go. Okay. Um, I like that they put an SD card reader in. That is, in my opinion, the biggest thing that they've done for for that lap yeah. that laptop is put an SD card reader. Okay, Ryan. Yes. Uh, Johnny giveth, Johnny taketh away. Uh, let's not forget that they took that away in the first place. They had those, and they got rid of it. Yes. You're, I don't want to get right. carried. I don't want to get carried away with being happy. They reversed a bad decision, which is good. Well, but they I made a bad decision in the first place, right? But I think the bigger point, though, and in the the trend that is just further progressing, and that we've kind of explained and, and laid out on the show, and that I've I've mentioned yeah, sure. a few times, they're really considering user feedback now. Yeah, they are they, starting. They really are showing they no longer care about how good it looks, how sleek it is, how thin it is. It's now about the user experience and what the users are really looking for. I think part of this is a departure from Johnny Ives. I think Johnny Ives had a very singular vision for what he wanted everything to look like. He was their chief designer. Mm-hmm. And he was really about pushing things forward at any cost, even like to make the products less useful and less convenient. And I think with his departure, they've kind of stepped it back a little and said, okay, wait a minute. You know, uh, SD card slots are really useful to a lot of people. HDMI ports are really useful to a lot of people. So I think that him leaving may have opened the door for them to maybe reverse some of those uh, counterintuitive decisions. I could see it. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, But, I mean, still, this is only on their pro version. Right. Correct. Their normal version is still mm-hmm. just USB ports and a three point five millimeter jack. Yep, that's it. That's all you got. Even so we'll even the, they... the earlier generation MacBook Pro is still that that same thing. Yeah. We'll so. see if they carry well, that back with their next release of M one MacBooks. I, right. I think an important thing though, I, I think an important thing to keep in mind though is this is the MacBook Pro. Sure. It has pro it has pro features. It has pro chips. And so, naturally, it should have all the ports that pros need. Um, I actually think a really interesting thing is that 
they took away the SD card and they keep selling. Not only have they continued to sell the MacBook as this really great video editing photo um, machine, but they've also pushed that even further with um, these new chips. And so it really is interesting that they decided now, as opposed to maybe even a year or two ago with the M1 Max, to bring back these ports that pro, that pro users use, especially people that record video that they're editing on their SD cards that they can simply interface with the machine. Here's the rub though, right? So my own father is as far from a pro as there is. He's not great with technology, to be honest. He knows enough to be able to work well. But just looking at the new Macs, he's still using one from like, I can't even remember what year because he doesn't want to get one that doesn't have an HDMI port, doesn't have an SD card for like some of just the random stuff he needs it for. Right. I think a lot of just normal users want those ports too. Yeah. All the other stuff that really is pro targeted, like especially that better headphone impedance rating, that's a 100% pro targeted feature. Oh, yeah. Because like that enables them to drive headphones like the ones I'm wearing pretty easily because these are. I can't remember what impedance, but they're in the lower end of like uh, higher, <laughs> higher impedance headphones, the lower end of higher impedance. Sure. There you go. Let's let's think about that a little bit, too. Could this also with them bringing these ports back that people want? Could this also be Apple's way of being like, well, you could get the last generation MacBook Pro or you could get the new one with all of this stuff I on it, not. like kind of kind of up. I, kind of upselling. Do you know what I mean? Like like I upselling somebody into a better model than they, they really I need. Because I think we all kind of agree on the fact that this is more for a professional user. Correct. Right? Yeah. It starts at 2K. It starts there, and that's a not cheap price tag. Yeah. yeah. So like, that's yeah. definitely a pro user thing. And, you know, they extended out the silicon to back that up heavily. Right. So I, I don't want them to try and upsell people for ports. Because you shouldn't be paying an extra grand to get the ports you want. They should, and hopefully this is what they do when they, you know, re-release their MacBooks with I don't know whatever they're gonna update the M1 with, or if they just update the MacBooks. I just want them to release it then with those same port changes made back. Right. I think they'll probably pull off some of those extra USB-C ports because I think those sure. and specifically That's Thunderbolt fine. ports are ones that. Uh, pro users would use. I can see, I can understand SD card and an HDMI, yeah. uh, an HDMI port being a fairly important thing for a standard uh, consumer. But I think maybe those Thunderbolt, because you, you can include those in a standard um, computer. Not, not <laughs> that you can't. It just wouldn't make sense to have all those ports on, on the less yeah, expensive I if, computer. I don't know if Joe Schmo needs three Thunderbolts. Yeah. Right. And to that end, though, like, is, is a standard, just like everyday Joe Schmo, really trying to push for Thunderbolt 4, you know? They Probably just want a simple HDMI either, no. connection. Yeah, no, that's all I'm saying is I think, like, a normal person just wants some of those, like, the ports that they added back in is what I'm talking about. Like, just an SD card mm -hmm. slot and an HDMI. I think a lot of people would benefit just from having those back on, like, your normal MacBook Pro. Yeah, right. I can understand Definitely. That. Definitely. The next thing that I want to talk about, Silicon. yes, is Apple's M1 Pro and M1 Max. Two, in my opinion, best things to come out of that event. 
I believe oh, yeah. that these these two processors are awesome. Like I, I want to see the benchmarks, but from everything that they've showed, I am blown away by their the performance that they showed. Granted, it was their lab environment. Granted, of course, they're going to show only the things that make them look good. Um, but from my experience, even with the the normal M1, I can believe that um, that value hands down, just based on my pro- what I've used with an M1, what I've done with it. Um, a couple big things that really stood out to me is the support for multiple displays. That was something that was missing very badly in the M1. Like I, I could only have one external display. And I had to get a um, adapter for another one, so that's that's how I was able to get two. With this, it natively supports, I think, up to four um, displays. So that that is a huge game changer and something that really is needed, in my opinion, in a pro market. Like, show me a developer that only codes on one screen. Show me a movie editor that only edits on one screen. Stuff like that. So. It's, uh, You're gonna find very few of those. Yeah. Exactly, they exist, but I think they'd rather have more. They just can't at, at the moment. Right. Sure. My my question is: Is that <laughs> so? Like when I when I want to dock when I want to use my computer, I dock it right, and I have my t- and I'm able to do that. Do you think that um, is it really just that port is just so powerful, or is it because of the just increase in unified RAM? So or the the unified RAM. So yes and no. In the way that visu- the the actual video is rendered on your screen is that signal comes from the processor goes to the GPU. The GPU has to figure out okay, this color goes here, this color goes here times however big your screen is. And from there, we then have to pump that out to whatever port that you're using with enough bandwidth to be able to do that. Um, the way M1 did that is I have it connected to a dock. It's pumping everything out through Thunderbolt um, to the dock. The dock's taking a little bit of the rendering power off of the, the M1. And then for my other screen, I have a, a literal um, display adapter. It has a USB 3, um, normal USB 3A connector, and then a display port out that goes to mm. this monitor. And... Um, yeah, it just that's taking all of the load off of the processor. The processor is just saying, "Hey, I need this," and then the the actual unit itself renders the individual pixels. With the M1 Pro and the M1 Wax, it's actually bringing all of that into the the single processor, and you could just connect up a, a standard Thunderbolt display, and you're good. Which I find very good. I'm I'm super happy mm. about that. Another thing that I want to touch on with that is you you mentioned unified memory. I find that entire architecture incredibly interesting. And I want to get your opinion on this, Ryan. I like Mm. the fact that you can share memory between the GPU and the CPU. I just don't want that to become something where your GPU all of a sudden is eating up 30 of your 32 gigs of RAM because you're being a dumbass when you're programming or something like that. So I don't know. What What's yeah, your thoughts? I, I mean, as far as that little bit goes at the end, thankfully tasks tend to not do both unless it's gaming, in which case it will eat up both. But 
if you're gaming on a Mac, you're a fool. <laughs> uh, just outright, because they're just not meant for that. They don't support developers at all for anything that isn't like, I don't know, usable on both their iPad and their Macs. Or right. Their, yeah, their iPads and their Macs. They don't support like your usual like PC games and all that typically. But uh, it's an interesting architecture. It's an interesting step forward. Uh, I have trouble with every time I go, I watch one of the press conferences, I can't make heads or tails of what their charts are actually measuring and what claims are actually making here. Because, I mean, it is vague. Uh, safe assumption is it's a lot faster and it's a lot better at, I'm going to guess a lot better at multi-core performance. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head how many cores are in the M1 and if they up the account for the new ones. I believe eight. Eight or ten. Eight? Okay. Let me let me yeah. look it up. There's I ten it's in the new chips. It's possible, too, that these just have a higher uh, TDP as well, and they're going to up single-core performance. It's eight. Yeah. I think they're... I mean, these do have a higher TDP, so... They might have upped single core performance as well, and that might be giving just an all around big boost to everything. It's hard to understand what they're trying to measure here and there, and they don't give numbers because I guess they don't want you to compare it to like x86 architecture because it's just not the same. Like it's just a fundamentally different architecture. So I'm assuming they try to make as little like cross comparisons as possible. Uh, as far as like, so I mean, that being the case. I think the thing to compare is probably use cases and what it's going to get used for. I'm slightly struggling with like the perfect use case for this, like a purely final cut editor and like a purely like Photoshop editor. I see like using this, uh, like special effects people and all that. I, I'm assuming you need more power for that. Well, like, at that's... least the at least the final render definitely one hundred percent. Like your final render, you you gotta throw the freaking kitchen sink at it. Yeah, and that's what you get like workstation GPUs and like that caliber of GPU. Right. So I don't know if you can like do all the pre stuff on the laptop and ship it off to a render farm to work for you. It's not my workflow. It's not what I'm specialized in. Uh. I see some of the uses for it. I don't I don't know what people are willing to pay for it. And I don't know like what value that adds to people. It might be that there's a pretty wide market of pros that this applies perfectly to, and I'm just not in that area. Yeah. In in my opinion, it's photos. I think this is basically like this this is the perfect laptop if you're a wedding photographer or you're a wedding videographer, in my opinion. Like you're on site, you're editing a video or something like that. You just got to chunk it out or you're doing some sort of live thing at an event. Like I think this is great for you. But like you said, that you're, we're struggling for the use case that would be specifically for this laptop in the professionals. Actually as well. Ooh, good point. Yeah. I could see a lot of good uses for audio for it as well. Like recording and stuff like that, yeah. So, are you making the argument that this is actually not as powerful as no it you want it to be, or that it should be? I'm saying I don't know where its niche is, but that might just be like my ignorance of like these fields that exist. 
because like it's not a flat out workstation clearly it's still a laptop i just i'm not sure where its niche is and its niche might be really wide and i'm just not a video editor so i don't know like 50 other editors who maybe love this and want this and it might be the case there's this massive clamoring for this i don't know <laughs> it's the problem well, that's I mean, what I i'm kind of saying is it I, i'm I wondering it where it's niche is and who wants it i mean i think it's in the name pro users i mean I, maybe that's too simplistic that's but generic i think that's I, I think that pretty encapsulates a lot of these people it's people who are really into heavy video editing heavy photo editing they, they need to render a lot of crazy stuff um they need some pretty incredible performance um on a laptop that's the bit that gets me is the on the laptop well that's you can't and this is why I wish they would have also mentioned and why I wish I would have looked on whether or not they've now included um, these new chips in the configurations for the uh, the the Mac, uh, the Mac Pro, okay. the Mac Pro. Um, I, I think this this could really suit that and take it to a different level. I'm not sure why they didn't do that. In that, I think. I mean, yes, that's even more niche, right? Yeah. Um, but again, I think this is a good wide audience. We're just not creatives. I think mean, this is this is meant for creatives. Yeah, I'm it's saying there people... might be. My uh, point is, I, I'm not I think sure. You're <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think that niche is the right word. I, I really don't think it's a niche because if it's a niche, I, I think you're really tailoring maybe or talking more about the Mac Pro, the MacBook Pro. No, I think no, you're I talking just mean about where it fits inside of the market. People. I'm using it as like a generic term like they use in uh, like the environment, like an animal fills a certain niche in like a food chain. That's how I'm right. But like, niche is I just mean to the... be very specific. I think it's what what really is a better term is just the category of people or the the, the demographic. Because that is what niche, niche is. implies there's a very slim amount <sighs> or in any small group of people who who this really applies to. No, no. And so, I don't think that this is a very niche product. I think the Mac Pigeon, Pro is a niche product. I'm, I don't think the Mac listen, Pro is. I will change Maybe the words this iteration is. I will change I the words I'm using, but pigeons have a niche in the environment, and pigeons are very widespread. The group of people who it's... I've not... I don't know what the clamoring is, what... I don't know, like... The point that I'm making is that I don't know. Right? For that sure. kind of is the point I'm making. Like, I'd have to talk to a bunch of video editors and all that and see who wants to use it and who doesn't. Apple probably has a better handle on that than I do, to be honest. Right. I'm curious, like, I'm kind of just wondering, like, what the adoption rate, kind of all that's going to end up looking like. That's kind of what I'm driving at. Because <coughs> I don't know is fundamentally the problem. And I think those numbers are going to be interesting for any yeah. product, considering right now, just with all the uh, product and material shortages. Right. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't even know how this is going to affect um, these new chips. I don't know if it affects new chips as much as like older, more established, um, already produced uh, and, and design chips, but very interesting to have two different chips in the middle yeah. of the chip shortage. I think a lot of the contracts get worked out three or so years beforehand. So we might not see like a lot of the big renegotiation prices for a while. Right. I mean, I feel like let's hope, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. As far as the chip goes, it's cool. They upgraded it. It does more. I'm interested to see what like actual performance is going to look like as opposed to the their graphs because I've never been able to pull meaningful data from the graphs. It looks interesting. I'm salty at not what was shown at at what wasn't shown, which as you were kind of alluding to, I don't know if you were talking about the cheese grater Mac Pro or not, but the desktop I want to see a yes. desktop grade M1. Yes, that's, I haven't that's what that seen is. I don't think I've seen a desktop class ARM processor. Right. Well, and that's why I kind of opened this with I'm yeah. really disappointed they didn't unveil a brand new even Mac Mini. I think that would have been great. Mm. If they if that would have been and they haven't done this oh, in a while. This in a if Mac that would have been a one more thing, if that would have been it, that would have been awesome. I, yeah. That would have been great. Yes, I, yeah, I, I think it was a missed agree. opportunity. I'm yeah. I really want to know what like ARM architecture can do when you're pumping it full of like sixty watts, eighty watts. I want to know what that chip looks like. Well, actually, I don't know if I've seen it short of. And I don't, I don't want to accidentally institute a transition here. I know Google has uh, probably server class uh, tensor chips. So does AMD, actually. Are they ARM-based? Mm-hmm. The Ampry. I thought AMD Ampere? was all x86-based. No, they, they have some... Or maybe, it, maybe that's the name brand. I think that may be the name brand. The Ampry is one of their GPU classes, I think. Before we go off on a tangent and no, I didn't want to here, go too far no, off. <laughs> I, I do I do just want to say while we were on the topic of Mac Minis, um, the, the last time it was updated was last year. Um, so and it, and it seems like they're on sort of a two year uh, refresh cycle. Um, so that's it's understandable. Um, but again, to your point about a desktop class machine with the performance of these two chips um, and them touting the performance of these chips. Um, that, that leads me to believe one of two things. One, they were just going with the next machines that needed to be upgraded. And in turn, they wanted to produce some new chips for it. Or two, they very explicitly created these chips for these machines, knowing full well that they're going to come out. And this is all speculation with the, what would be the predecessor uh, or successor, uh, rather, to all three of these chips in what could be, I suppose, named the M2. Um, yeah. That, I don't know how far in development is currently, especially already unveiling uh, a chip like this, what is it, a year or two after the M1 was unveiled? I'm not sure what the turnaround is, but my best guess as to why they wouldn't unveil any new desktop class uh, machines is because they do want to reserve the next greatest thing for it, and they think that whatever they're working on um, or, or planning on working on really is going to take those uh, or really is going to take those machines to the next level. Right. I mean, I can throw out a wild theory as well. As long just, as we're theory crafting. Yeah. As long as we're throwing out what? Yeah. Well, I'm just throwing out a wild one now. I don't know. Maybe they don't feel that they can deliver a workstation grade uh, GPU to pair mm. with their mm. desktop class CPU. Right. I could see it. It could be that that's the case as well, because it's pretty clear that it's a very well-designed chip, that they did an excellent job on it. But it could be that maybe they're not as confident with their GPU architecture. 
right? So like, That's interesting. To a workstation class, right? Or they're and then they're... maybe they're and they might yeah, and they might also be looking at the market right now and saying, all right, AMD doesn't have a great workstation class thing to pair with this either, and we don't want to work with NVIDIA because NVIDIA is all proprietary. And mm -hmm. Ryan, you bring up a really good point here too, because let's think about the way that a processor itself is designed. A processor allows for a certain amount of PCIe channels, a certain amount of bandwidth that can come out of the machine or the processor going to a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. If you have some sort of emulator that would emulate an x86 architecture on top of that bandwidth that would go to say a normal graphics card that you would you would throw in there like let's say a, a 3090 or some sort of tesla or some sort of quadro or something like that you're going to degrade the performance substantially as well as just make it inefficient everywhere not even just in the processor side of things but the gpu side of things because of that that middle bridge there where you're not getting the the yeah. peak data out that you can you can get to that hardware so i yeah. i think your GPUs point's pretty fine. valid your mobile gpus are fine right they're good right i don't i'm just wondering if maybe they're not like confident to step up and try and scale that to workstation grade not just yet at least i i yeah, would definitely yeah, see and them. that might be something they're working on and taking their time with right i'd rather see them take their t excuse me take their time with that and do it that right. being said i wouldn't mind watching one of these big chips in like say an imac or something right yeah and or a mac mini like you suggested like those would both be great things to include in those right i mean they're already selling the mac mini with the m1 um to me it stands to reason that it, it would make sense to add another uh configuration in there which doesn't uh, look like you can currently Right. Uh, for an M1 Max or uh, M1 Pro. Right. Well, so they must be really reserving it for that Mac Pro. Definitely. Definitely. Maybe it's a spring release. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so is there anything else that we want to talk about on this, this device itself before we head over to Google's side of things? I think I'm pretty... Yeah. All right, one one closing cool. point. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, definitely. One closing thing I want to talk about. Uh, well, why? Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about the notch. Why? Oh. Oh. About no, 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 no. I mentioned it. We didn't even talk about this. We didn't. Okay, yeah, we, we can't go on without we talking have to about, talk about this. the notch. Yes. Oh boy, I shoot. I oh man, where do I start? I can. I, I can am one of the biggest. Off. I am one of the biggest advocates of shrinking bezels. I am. I love it. I love the idea of it. I love almost every implementation of it, except for the notch. I thought we were getting away from the notch. I thought we were shrinking the notch. Um, it doesn't seem like we are. And the funny thing is, they are not even using Face ID in these new Macs. They're not even using Face ID in these new MacBooks. They're not right. Yep. All they did was upgrade the camera, and that that necessitates a notch that is quite literally the width of this pen cap. Where's my camera? The width of this pen cap, and the I don't know the height. It's just way too big. Proportionally, yeah. does not make any sense. It is a huge not to, not just is it a huge eyesore, but 
from a design perspective, it does not make much sense at all. It, it might be minimal to most. That is just the biggest eyesore to me. There are plenty of other uh, companies that have fixed this problem by essentially taking the notch and making it a portion of the display and moving it above the display. So yes, it is sort of like a inverse notch, but it doesn't uh, take away the integrity of the main display. Right. I hate it. TLDR, yeah. why did you do this, Apple? So, I actually really don't like the design of this MacBook Pro, uh, just making that very clear. I like the, the blacked out keys and the keyboard. That's about it. They went back in their design language. That's all I'm saying. Just to just to put it into perspective, too, I pulled up a picture here of one of the MacBooks from like 2005. Um, and you're right. I mean, granted, it's yep. a lot, a lot thinner per se um, with the new Macs, but you're you have that that square shape. You have the the feet. You have stuff like that. And also, why the heck are these going for two hundred dollars still? Uh, but anyway. Uh- um, I think if you look at it in person, I would it might actually, be nice. I want to see how, yeah, I want to see the thickness comparison because I think it could be comparable. Maybe no. not one to one, not one to one. Not even it's close. thick though. The new, they're thick. It's it's no. thick, but it's, it's definitely think, I not. Think you're really underestimating. Well, how I mean, thick hold on. I I have the I have the physical uh, specs here. I know, but I it's. I, it's I'm just I, telling you though, you're really underestimating, because those things had full CD slots, they had full USB ports, full they had hard like drives, some other tall ports. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, it's still, be I, significantly I, thin. So this is this is kind of the crux of the Apple debate, and it has been for a long time. We we've already discussed this, but the the argument or, or the sort of uh, going between making something very thin, very sleek and just really good looking versus making something very functional and very useful. Um, Apple decided to go back the route of making things that are very useful and, and have a good uh, purpose and serve many functions. Um, I think I went back in the design language and uh, I, I personally don't love that decision but I understand it is for the betterment of the MacBook Pros, and it makes sense. I just will fight it tooth and nail just because those things look like big chonkers. And they look like the ones from think so literally 15 years ago, except they're not plastic. I do not think so at all. I think it looks very nice, except for that notch. I hate that to the death. For that's just sure. The, that's just the cherry on top of this just like garbage That's the only design. thing I see wrong with it. Other than that, I see like a very just competent like normal good-looking laptop yeah and and my my takeaway from this entire event is great great design great step in the right direction in my well great design of the internals of the uh, machine um the purpose of it great Mm -hmm. um features like i know they said you could emulate ios apps finally um that was a big thing wait that wasn't already there no I believe that was something they had already mentioned. Um, I think they had in started WWDC. That. Okay, may- maybe I was I missed I that. Know. But anyway, um, their design language was good. Um, their um, the internals could kick behind, and I just think the price is a little high, in my opinion. But that's that's my takeaways. If I were to rate this event A through F. 
I would honestly give them an A. And that says a lot from me. So. B. I want a desktop. Honestly, just because of everything they announced, and in stark contrast to my rating of the other Apple event, I would also probably give this an A. Maybe an A minus. Just to be a little cynical. And also because I don't like the design of the MacBooks, but. For sure. For sure. Well, unfortunately, we have to move on. Uh, I have a hard stop here. You mean unfortunately. Uh, but anyway, well, yeah, Ryan's getting all revved up for this one. Um, but the next thing we're going to talk about here is Google's event. Uh, so Google had an event earlier today where they released two phones, the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro, which is long awaited. We've been talking about it for a long time here. And I'm not sure what to think about it. I th- I am really happy with the way that it it their their phones and all this stuff. Um, but Ryan and I were talking a little bit earlier, and we said that Google's marketing team needs a little bit of work on this. Um, they <laughs> they need to poach some Apple people. <laughs> honestly, honestly, but there was a lot of good that came out of this event and they did unveil the Google tensor, which is their, their new on phone processor. And it has a ton of features. Like I was, I was super happy with, with the tensor, all of that stuff. And, um, couple things that just to note here, your Pixel 6 Pro is 6.7 inches of screen real estate. That is massive. Uh, your, Pixels, uh, your Pixel 6 is 6.4 inches. Um, here's the big thing. Your cameras on your, your uh, Pro and your just Pixel 6, a 50 megapixel wide camera and a 12 megapixel ultra wide. But if you get the Pro, you then get a 48 megapixel telephoto lens. On there. 4X, I believe. Yes, with 4X, uh, I believe, optical zoom, I think. Or... Yeah, optical. What? Up to, yeah, optical. Yeah. Up to, and I... I, well, this is a, there's a big asterisk next to this, but up to 20 times zoom with computational photography. And there's a big the asterisk. Term. There's a big asterisk. Next we'll to we'll that, get think, to that but... one. Uh, other other things. Uh, eight gigabit gigabytes of RAM in the Pixel Six. Twelve gigabytes in the Pixel um, Six Pro. Going up yep. to five twelve gigabytes of onboard storage in the Pro. Uh, Two fifty six in the regular one. And yeah, basically bigger battery and uh, everything else is relatively the same. It's uh, but. I want to talk about a couple things here. We, I want to talk about the camera, Tensor, and how Google is leveraging Tensor on device. Uh, those were the sure. three biggest takeaways that I, I found from, I from this discussion. I think we might have missed one other difference, which is the screens. The normal Google oh, Pixel yeah. 6 is 90 hertz. Oh, you're right. The yes. Pro is 120. Yep. Up to 120, right? Up to 120. But yeah, this was... From a production quality of this event, it was definitely interesting. Uh, instead of where Apple was like going to like different locations and stuff with all their like transition shots, they just like Google just took like a different angle of the same area, and it was just like, oh their boy, same New York based Google store. Yep. Oh boy, yep. here's the store again. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there it that felt very low energy, and I watched a recap. And that was supposed to be quick cut and, you know, summarizing everything. 
Uh, and that that felt painful to watch at times. For sure. sure. I don't think they're looking at this as going to be the majority of their marketing. Uh, I wouldn't have. They probably should have done more and strove for a better press conference. But well, anyway, I don't care about the production. I care about the phones here. What sure, is? So let's talk about the phones. Let's talk about the phones. Where where do we want to start? Camera, tensor, or leveraging tensor on the phone? So. I think we got to start at the heart, which is Tensor, because Tensor plays a role in the camera, it plays a role in everything else. All righty, mm-hmm. sure thing. So, the obviously Tensor got introduced uh, in this 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 release today, and it's a five nanometer eight core design broken into big, medium, and small cores. Basically, uh, two ARM Cortex X ones running at two point eight gigahertz. Um, set a little bit. Um, more powerful than the Snapdragon Triple Eight. Then two A76 cores running at 2.25, and then four 1.8 gigahertz A55 cores as kind of their their lower end stuff. Sure. To simplify that, I believe it's uh, two low power, two mid power, four high power, right? Reverse. Two high power, two mid power, four low. Two high power, two mid, four low. Gotcha. And that's actually on purpose too, because one of the things that they stressed in their their, um, design here was Yes, this chip isn't going to score the best on all of the the benchmarks and everything like that, but why do we need to give it more horsepower than it's actually going to use? If we're going to be utilizing those four low power cores most of the time, what's the point of giving it more more juice than it needs? It don't yeah. it only needs the juice for certain things like onboard machine learning. Um and that was one of the biggest things that came out of this um as well. It has um onboard machine learning models that do all sorts of cool stuff and onboard security cores, which I found really interesting too. Yeah. So so a couple things on that, it seems what's interesting about them going to their own Silicon is they really went as far as they could away from generic. Yes. They built out a lot of their own specialty things. I think they said they have like a mini specialty core for deciding uh, which cores even get turned on and used for something. I believe the word they used to refer to it was heterogeneous processing. Yes, you're right. It was what they used in the conference. And basically, it's supposed to be really good at picking which cores need to be active for which uh, tasks and processes. Uh, a lot of what, the, what really caught me, and that's because uh, chip design was a big thing that I had wanted to do initially when I was starting school, was they really focused in on something that's called a machine learning instance. It's basically where you take a machine learning model and you try to create a hardware based off it to just really speed it up, make it more efficient and faster. And it sounded like they included a couple of those in a couple different spots for this phone. Uh, Namely, I think they said something about that in the computational section or computational photography section rather. Yep. But like, I thought that was really cool. It sounded like they have that in a couple places on the phone. And yeah, they have two types of security chips, actually. Right. And they have mm-hmm. a sandbox right. chip, I believe. And they have the actual Titan. Right. Titan two. 
And I want to talk about that sandbox really quickly because I find that incredibly interesting. So basically, you mentioned that heterogeneous computing. What that does is that says, hey, this is a secure process. We're going to throw this on its own core. We're going to sandbox this so you are completely mitigated from a lot of common threats that are bet between... Um, I, I guess the easiest way of explaining this is having malicious programs access things they shouldn't and uh, getting into areas of the computer or the, the processor that they shouldn't see. So what, what um, Tensor does to mitigate this risk is they say, okay, you're a security intensive application. We're going to throw this on its own core. We're going to only let you access this specific stuff. And if you do anything else, we are immediately going to flag it. So, and that, that was another thing too, with their Titan M2 chip, um, to protect against like the malware and stuff that comes with it too, they added a lot of, um, stuff in the software to even be like, here's your security, here's all the, uh, privacy things yeah. like that. And, um, I, I will say Google, Google's been trying to get away from like evil data harvesting megacorp, um, stereotype for a while. Um, and we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. But um, they're tr I, I feel like I genuinely feel like they're trying with with the Pixel 6. They're trying. They might be. So might might. OK, I, I'm not. We'll convinced. get into that. Uh, more on that. Just Titan M2, though. What really kind of struck me as well. Was this weird dedication to like. Thwarting straight up like physical attempts. Ooh, good point. At, like breaking into your phone. So like part of that is a really weird and niche thing called like laser code inject or laser or something injection. I forget what the word is in the middle. It might be code. It might be something else, but it's a really high tech way of like basically causing an error in your phone that lets them get access to something they're not supposed to have access to. Laser injection. What is that? It's let let me one uh, of those uh it's laser to fault injection. Like some laser fault injection mm -hmm. it's supposed to just into magnetic i think the same thing actually magnetic fault injection too there was a lot of like that kind of like i guess what i would call higher profile security like for if you were an important person or something and someone was trying to steal your data right like most uh, of us are protected just by being inconspicuous <laughs> Right, like people from, from that kind of thing, anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like because I don't think it's worth someone's time to try and laser fault inject my phone. Uh, right. Someone else who's actually like you know sitting on I don't know a billion dollars that might be worth someone's time. But still, really cool features to have. Supposedly, it's been verified by an outside lab. I'm pretty naturally skeptical whenever something like that gets claimed. Uh, I actually also want to level a little criticism towards them, too, because their uh, charts and graphs were also very vague and they, very they hard to draw a lot apples. of solid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and I kind of get it, but at the same time, it's still to me like I can't draw a conclusion from this. I want to see data. I want to see data. I'm sorry. It might not be convenient and it might not make you look the best, but I do want to know. And I feel like there's a, a little bit of trust with that too. Just being like, Hey, here's what actually happened. 
we're not going to show you yeah. the, the artificially inflated marketing graphs. We're going to show you, hey, this is actually what happened. Like, we're not yeah. going to show you a blob that's this big in the graph instead of like, okay, here's the point. Here's the data. Here's where we are. Like, like stuff like that. So, yeah, it was weird stuff. I think one of their claims actually was that it was 370% faster than a Snapdragon. Some, yeah. I want to say 855. I'm not sure. Right. It's whatever was on the 5A. The 5A is 765. It's the 765. So okay. their claim is that it's 370% faster than that, which a part of me can believe just because I could see them wanting to have more GPU for their uh, machine learning models. But at the same time, such a vague claim. Right. I have no context to put that in. Yeah, exactly. One of one of the other things that um, I want to bring up too. We'll save the cameras for a little bit later, but yeah. I want I want to bring up with the machine learning that's built into Tensor and how they're incorporating that into Android twelve. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the things that they they went to show were the live voice translation, so literally talking into your phone, it translating it on the phone and transcribing it on the phone and then saying it to whoever traditionally in today's world, you have to query their server. They have, you have to have an internet connection, talk to them and then get the data back. What this is doing is this is actually creating a model specifically on the phone that you don't have to connect to any other external mm -hmm. service for. In addition to that, uh, just the voice recognition in general is vastly improved and on the device. So you don't yes. have to send your, your voice data over to whoever else to transcribe it for you and get the data back. It is just built into the thing. Um, with that, it actually also has punctuation detection, which I found yep. really interesting, and emoji voice, ty uh, voice typing, which is okay, um, because I totally type, say, emojis when I talk. Um, but yeah, that, that was two big things. Another thing... And also... Oh. Are, are you going to talk about it? Are you moving on, or is it more related to what you were just saying? More related to what I'm saying Go really quickly. Go for it. Um, the, the other thing that I found interesting is they expanded on the, the Google duplex type thing. Um, I guess, I, I don't think it was like exactly what they said where they'd like call businesses and stuff like that, but um, they now know when phone lines for businesses are busy and they will get you through robo menus and stuff like that using this translation or excuse yep. me, this uh, transcription engine um, to show you basically a GUI, uh, a GUI of the, the phone menu for this thing. And you just hit it and then it's going to interact with the, the robo menu for you on your behalf and wait in line for you and all that stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, I think that's a that's an awesome feature, um, and I'd love to see that come to other phones too. Yeah. So I was going at their voice typing is improved as well. Yes. Uh, apparently, and I think this might be like kind of an industry standard, which is crazy. Or maybe not crazy, but like oh, a yes. fix that kind of seems intuitive is that it seems like a lot of places for voice typing we've been using spelling. We've been basing it all off spelling. And it seems like they're trying to switch everything over to phonetics now. So that instead of listening for 
like specific sounds or not even specific sounds but like for spellings almost of things it's listening for sounds because mm. like if you try to say the word and i'm sure they have they in the past have needed a special exception for this the word pterodactyl that's not spelt at all like it sounds that's a word that you, if you're trying to like guess what it is you're gonna have better luck matching the phonetics and the spelling right and and it, it's interesting you mentioned this too because it's it's one of those things where yes you say a word like your um and it's going to suggest three three different word versions of your but mm. it actually needs to contextually know how that that word is being used in the sentence to to fill the correct word um however one of the examples that they um they put in the um in the demo was Catherine spelled with a C or a K um, or a YN or whatever. Um, and kind of how you can pick the, the, the correct spelling and the correct um, autocorrect for that word instead of um, whatever's close to C, if you spell it wrong or something like that. So really interesting. And I'm surprised that is an industry standard, but I think it's one of those things that everyone heard about voice typing and thought this was cool and they implemented it. And that I think it's just been an overlook. Hmm. It just in general, because just you go if you ask me to come with a first solution, it's probably gonna be spelling. Yeah, yeah. yeah it gets but as soon as you hear someone say, like, oh yeah, we should switch just the phonetics, it's a fix that you hear and go, Oh, duh, of course we should do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that was a lot, um, but I, in my opinion, the best and the biggest use for their AI on Tensor is their photography, their computational photography. Furthermore. Furthermore. They said it made me so happy. You have no clue. I, I was just like, I was like a little kid. I'm like, oh my God, we, we, we've been saying this. They said it. Right. So, Ryan, I'm going to let you take over this one because I know you have a lot to say on this. I'm going to keep using the word that I made up, computational cinematography. Because Which I think is the next big step. Because of why. Because of why. So, like we were talking about, I think, two, three podcasts ago, uh, they've stepped it up to the next level. They have their own custom chip. They have the platform they feel is sufficient to try and take a video and in real time enhance it using computational photography because, and this is something they even said during a thing, because it's just correct. The Google pixel has had some of the best, if not the best, like computational photography out of any phone period, just flat out. And it's been using the same sensor for like for five generations of the phone. And it still takes some of the best pictures compared to any other phone. And now they're stepping up the hardware too. But the point of this tensor, and when I when the press conference finished, and I was looking at it. There's not there's not this feature that makes me like that I can just recommend someone in one line to like this is why you should buy the phone. But this is the closest thing to it. It's that it will in real time like change the way your video looks, make it look better, smoother, cleaner. All the fixes that it gener- that it usually applies to the pictures, it's trying to apply as much of those as possible to the video now. And they only showed like 
I think a brief snippet, but man, it looked unbelievable. And that's going to be an absolute best case scenario, admittedly, but I came away very hopeful. I didn't get that in the uh, the recap. Is there a way to get that on on here? Uh, let let me see if I can find it. I could probably it was pull like up a, the archive. Because I've been really that curious late video, about right? Yes, that. yes, that's what I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. See, when I was thinking of the computational photography and, and cinematography, um, and I might be putting uh, the carriage oh, for the horse a long here. List, don't worry. Okay, uh, I I won't get into it yet because no, uh, go for I think, it. Oh, okay. Well, I guess while we're waiting, um, yeah, we're pulling this up. How about it? Yeah, no, my my actually my biggest uh, and and this is I suppose more of a, a software feature than it is um, doing uh, you know on demand. Uh, sure, but it makes use you know, of all those features. Stuff. It, it, it's that uh, it's the magic erase tool, and not yeah. only can you do that with new pictures, you can do that with old pictures. I think that is one of the coolest things. Um, now I'm not sure how well that actually will translate, whether or not they were really using, um, very specific pictures to make sure that any sort of odd or slight imperfections, um, didn't show up in in a demo. Um, needless to say, even if it's a a version one, that's, let's say 60% of the way there. This is great. From what I've saw, what I've seen in in the demos in the um, in the video, I was I was impressed. And that like the thing that I wanted to um, bring up too with with some of their their just enhancements and stuff like that, um, they have like face unblur, where basically it takes yep. two, it recognizes a face in a picture. It will take a high res picture of the the actual image and then a low res picture of the face and then match them up basically use ai to unblur the the picture um some of the other stuff was motion tracking so it would show motion um and here here we go i think i found it um but a bunch of other stuff to um that that just make pictures look phenomenal, and I will say I am I am over, like I was blown away when I saw this this camera stuff. Yeah. So here here's the video that um, we were talking about. Um, so they're saying like low light. Um, here, let's. It should be right here. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Like what they do is they uh... take they take this and apply all of the effects on the video, and do that for the entirety of the video. So 4K 60. Yes, at 4K 60 frames per second, which is absolutely insane. I think they show it again, yeah. Um so this this is yeah, like it's it is insane and they show all of the different effects and filters and things that they do on the image in real time and um they talk about their HDR net and like, look at this! Like, oh my gosh! <laughs> Just kind of—that's the before. Yes. Yeah. Like you're. you're I mean, I'll, I'll say this, and this is a, maybe more of an opinion. Um, I think the Google pictures look great. I think comparatively, though, they they can look a little bit um, like too bright. Um, and I think that is one of those examples where you have the water and the trees. And the the trees kind of get some odd uh, fade on them when with the effects applied. Needless to say, 
yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's yeah. pretty amazing what they're able to do. Not not to mention that they're doing this um, with this new hardware, 4K60. Another little, I think it's getting a little glossed over. Uh, another thing that the Pixels were pretty well known for was their night sight. Their dark light photography was incredible. Uh, they've updated the sensor quite a bit. Uh, this was kind of a fad's the wrong word, but kind of a change, a shift in trend. I think back in like twenty twelve ish, I want to say, where a lot of companies started saying, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can increase the size of our pixels instead of having instead of shoving more megapixels in here." And that lets us take in more light and maybe produce better photos that way. And right. that seems to be one of the steps they're taking with this is a wider aperture, bigger pixels, so they can take in more light, which hopefully should make that night sight absolutely like... They they mentioned that incredible. too. Like They're like, this is going to be do. nuts. But um, the other thing I want to talk about really quickly too is Magic Eraser. That was a really big thing yeah. that I saw where you, it leverages the AI on the chip to actually remove remove things from the picture. So like... She yeah. clicks erase and then she just like erases the person in the picture. Like, like basically yeah, does that with a cone, a car cool. and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Does Photoshop, yeah. like Photoshop it, straight on the picture, which is insane in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I said what my piece earlier when we were loading up that video, but yeah, I yeah. think it's pretty impressive. Not to mention you can do that on older pictures uh, as well. Right. But in, in all though, um, I thought that the camera on here was insane. An yeah. Another thing I, I wanted to talk about was the telephoto um, lens mm. and the fact that they 4X, now put 20x computational. Yes. That's they crazy. now put a prism in the actual phone here. That's why that, that back bar on the pixel sticks out. So, so high. Um, they actually put a, a full out prism on the, um, on the, the, in the phone for me at least yeah. i get a little concerned about uh drops or shakes or um any form of g-force damage to the phone um but it's worked in the sure. past for other manufacturers uh hopefully it works here yeah and, it does um, surprise me oh sorry ryan i was gonna say like every phone these days has a bump sticking out I right. know everyone takes very special care to really have uh, the best plastic nail on the back. They're using whatever Corning's latest and greatest is. Uh, Victus. Gorilla Glass Victus, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that, that kind of leads, though, to a point I wanted to make. They're not using the same uh, glass, I believe, as uh, for both the Pro and the standard uh, 6. I believe they the... are. Uh, are you sure? Give me a minute. Yes, or excuse me, the the back glass on the six is different. You're you're correct. I I didn't yes. even notice that. Yeah, to me to me that is kind of an odd uh, decision to to make the same design change for both the the standard, uh, if you want to call it an entry model, and the pro model, but give a different level of protection to the pro even given this uh, essentially the same design hmm. and the same issues you're going to face. Interesting. 
Where do you even see this? It's on their uh, the Google Store. They have a comparison chart. But I just had a good memory from my recap, my there, eleven minute recap. There you go. Yes, sir. <laughs> but well, because that stuck out to me. Like it, it just didn't make uh, much sense. That I, I mean, I suppose that I understand you want to reserve the more expensive, uh, better features or just pro features for your pro model. Although I'm not sure if this is a pro feature or that it necessarily should be um, kept for the pro considering the design decisions that they made. Right. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely one of those things where you do see kind of a difference between the, that pro and the, the six. The one thing that um, I found this interesting too, and after this, um, Google must have coordinated with a bunch of YouTubers to have them drop like unboxing videos as soon as the event was over because oh, yeah. there were like a bunch of them that got posted. And uh, um, Marquise Brownlee um, had a really good video on this. And he said the hardest thing that he sees between these two phones is the difference in $300 between yeah. the 6 and the 6 Pro. That's the thing. He's like, I I can see a difference. I don't see three hundred dollars worth of difference, which hmm. I find interesting. And let's see. That's a, basically it's better screen, right? Uh, I don't know where you're looking at to see this difference in glass. I don't see a difference. It's, it's all the way at the bottom. Where at the bottom? Yeah, and you get the difference in the glass, you get the camera, you get the display so difference, and then just the bigger camera, display. Four gigs of RAM. Yes. Yeah, it's here. There's the, the difference in the screen here. Uh, a little oh, bit of a bigger battery. Um, and a bigger battery, yeah. A little bit of a bigger battery. Um, you I have see. the telephoto. Um, so telephoto. they're still using Gorilla Glass, but it's six versus the Victus. Yeah, the... the it could be screen. that they wanted to protect that telephoto better. I Regardless, could see it. it does seem like a stranger mission. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it does seem interesting. Either. And I, I bring it up only because if we're talking about, uh, you know, the main, the main line phone and a pro, I mean, Apple has their own approach to this and they flat out just have two different camera bumps. Um, yeah. In, in, in a very simple case, they could very easily eliminate the square bump on the, uh, 13 and just simply go with um, like an oval um, to eliminate, you know, that, that need for the bump to me, if they're not, if, if Google is not going to include that nice glass to protect the back, like they do for the pro, then change the camera bump, physically make it look different to yeah. differentiate it between that and the pro, um, which would also lend itself to that price. So you get a different design um, and, and make the, the price and the design fit the function. Right. That's that's a really good point. And I I feel like um with with Apple devices at least because of that difference in design, you get you kind of get almost a little bit of prestige when you see something like that. There, mm -hmm. People are like, "Oh, he's got the Pro" because you could see the difference yeah. there. With with these Google devices, yes, there's a difference, but in my opinion, the the major difference is you just see the this uh, forehead up here, a little bit of a difference with the Pro and the bigger screen. But the size, I think, is probably pretty substantial. But yeah, right, right. It's six point four versus six point seven, correct? Correct. But On it's the diagonal. Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, but that diagonal that point three is bigger on the diagonal. Yes, um, it feels that way. Anyway. But uh, but yeah. 
that's kind of where yeah. I see it. Uh, the only last, I wanted to bring up like two other things real quick. One of them sure. was just a random tidbit. It looks like this is because so uh, how Snapchat works is they optimize for certain cameras. And really what that means is they optimize for the iPhone camera and they let everything else hang out to dry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It seems like a step Google's taking with this phone is they're just giving Snapchat the ability to just use Google's stuff inside the phone. Yep. Which would, which is for the first time actually. And you can do side-by-side -side comparisons people have of Snapchat's taken on an iPhone and an Android phone. And the iPhone one always looks better because it's the only one they bother to optimize for because the Android market's too diverse. Mm -hmm. So this will be the first case, hopefully, where it's like, these will look really good on it. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the That's last thing point. I just kind of, I wanted to dovetail into kind of what we were talking about earlier, the design, what everyone thinks of it. I like it. I think it's different enough from everything else I've seen this year to actually give it a distinct look. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think they made a good decision. It doesn't look like a clone of something outright. The only phone I can like off top of my head think of to compare it to is like a Nexus 6P, which is Google's own phone anyway, so it doesn't really so warranting a comparison, that's not a bad thing. Right. Well then did they just recycle an old design? No. That was rounded back. That's the only thing I can think of to make a comparison to though. So instead of having that back bar, it was like this weird rounded thing. It was a wasn't the best looking phone, to be honest. So my opinion on this is I like the design with the right case. That's the thing. I, I feel like straight I don't like all the colors. <laughs> yes. I don't like mm. all the colors. In my opinion, a black phone is all you need. Um, but I do see with a case that would complement the, the photo bar here, um, kind of bring up the, make the phone a little thicker. Maybe if you even feel ambitious, maybe put a battery or something in there, who knows? Um, but make it a little thicker, bring everything nice and level. Um, maybe recess this in a little bit. I think that would be a gorgeous, a gorgeous phone as it stands right yeah. now. Um, I'm not a huge fan of a phone that wouldn't lay flat on a table. Um, There's no phone. Honestly, from what I can see, actually, this lays better on a table than a lot of phones. Hmm. Screen down. It's more because, symmetrical, oh, yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah just because just, it's symmetrical across yeah, the whole back. Everything with a camera bump bit, yeah. doesn't really lay perfectly flat. Good point. But yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, but other than that, I, I see with a case, I think it would be fine. Yeah. I think it's missing what kind of became a staple on the last few pixels, which is just a different colored power button, <laughs> which that's seems what weird they... to miss, but I really liked that. It was kind of cool. That's what people were saying. Like a lot of the unboxings yeah. mentioned that. Where is the different colored power button? But, mm. And we did miss one other design difference, I think, and it's, I believe the Pro has stainless steel sides. While the normal has aluminum. That's standard with what Apple does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, I mean, it's one for one what they do with their their mainline uh, phones versus their pros. And they've been doing that for since the 10. So, yeah. 
Four years? Three years? Right. It makes sense. I mean, again, it you have to differentiate. So, yeah, I suppose, I suppose in that, maybe fine. Um, I still think they could have done something with the camera bump, especially if you're not including that extra um, periscope um, sensor setup. Uh, I, I don't really I mean, love sure. – I'm not over the moon with this this new design as Ryan is. Um, I'm just not. I like so, I mean, sim- simply put, simply put, this is the exact same configuration as about every iPhone every phone out there um just in a different configuration it's in and it's a protruding camera bump with two to three camera sensors with glass and now a stainless steel band or aluminum that's that's okay not glass back, it's, it, it's just back. about it, it's just about like every other camera every, no. every other every phone. here's the thing though there's what do you want them what do you want anyone to do with three cameras do you want them to spread it across the phone you're the only difference they together. did, the only difference they made was the orientation of the cameras, which sure. lends itself to the bump. That's no, it. No, no. If you look at, here's my point. If you look at this phone, you're not going to mistake it for any other phone. You're not going to be confused what it is. It's its own okay. look. There's not something that looks like it. It's it's still very derivative. It's very derivative. That is the most. Not to mention that it actually does share a lot of design diff- uh, design similarities with the Nexus 6P after looking at it. The only thing it doesn't share is the forehead sure. bump and the rounded corners. Otherwise, it's about very similar. Calling something derivative is the most paltry of criticisms. Yeah, it looks like something that's existed already. Guess what? Everything ever looks like something that's existed already. Well, I'm I'm using I wouldn't mistake I'm using I'm using the, the word derivative though because you're making the argument that it oh it's so unique it's so different it's not no I'm saying it's distinctive from any other phone that's out right now. Let let me if I look at that I'm not going to mistake that design language and that footprint for any other phone. Let let me be a little more clear and maybe this is not the greatest comparison but I'll make it. Um, the step from from slide phones to slabs of glass. Um, even even with touch screens on both, that's a major improvement. That's a big step. That's a big change. The camera bumps, that's that's a whole new aspect to it. True. If you want to change that formula, fine. It's still the same formula. It's like trying to bake a cake, use but putting the ingredients in in, in slightly different orders. You're going to get the same cake. Or, mm. or you might get a similar looking cake, but it's going to be fundamentally similar or at least very much identical a better comparison i think would be calling like a cinnamon cake versus vanilla cake my point is simply that it doesn't look like a clone of something else i can look at it i know that this phone has this design language it's this phone there's not going to be five other phones that i'm going to mistake this with and that's and maybe this is something that you're less familiar with just because of like apple a lot of Android phones can fall into like kind of a rut where everyone kind of shares and copies designs around. I just like that this is, it's it's got its language, it exists, and I'm not going to mistake it for something else. All righty. I can see that, definitely. Well, before we end today, um, I just want to get your guys' opinions on this device, on this this release. A through F, we did it for Apple. Uh, where would you guys rate this pixel? Hmm. Hmm. How are we grading this? How let's let's do let's 
grade overall design have, for use case. I have two minds on this, right? The first is that I like a ton of the changes they've made. I see a lot of usefulness in their features. But then my other mind is I don't have like that one line sell you on this phone feature. I don't have that. There's a ton of that, really great small features other than maybe the camera. You made the case earlier, though, I feel like, or not just, I feel like, didn't you say earlier that, that the computational cinematography is that big selling point? I said point? that's the only thing that I could maybe use as a selling point. And I don't, I'm not an expert on what everyone else wants, quite frankly. Cameras aren't the single most important thing to me in a phone. It's something that I don't get the most use out of, to be honest, even though I love a lot of the stuff behind it. But like, that's the closest thing to like a selling point I can use is that it has this really good camera and this really good cinematography. All as right. far as like the overall experience of the phone to me, it looks like an A. As far as I will see how their marketing and marketability goes, maybe a B. All righty. Yeah. Um, see, it's interesting to look at a lot of these other products that I don't own. Um, I'm very entrenched in this Apple ecosystem, although I am very open-minded. And I, I try and listen to the other um, you know, companies, what they have to say. We, we, we cover not just Apple on this show. Um, I, I, I think more than anything else, the biggest thing coming into this event was that tensor chip. Um, I didn't see a ton of information on it or specs. To me, um, and this is something that Fitz and I discussed in the pre-show, um, the difference between what Google's doing, what Apple's doing is Google, Apple wants to create this really just incredibly powerful chip for their for their phones. Just big, efficient, right? Um, but, but they just really want to create as much power as they can. It seems that Google is going a different route and they're really, really working on efficiency, so much so that they're kind of not pigeonholing themselves, but really specializing in a few things, things that we mentioned. Um, and I think the one that kind of goes in all of those those mentioned things is the AI, um, is that computational photography. It's that special software, that special juice. Um, in that respect, I think that it was great. And it, and it really showed off what, or at least, um, they've attempted to show off what the tensor can do, or at least the bare minimum, if not um, the ceiling. So in that respect, and given all of my feedback with, with the Pixel, um, I'll rate it just as the same as the Apple event. There's things that didn't really um, pique my interest or, or wow me like, like the design in stark contrast to Ryan. But I think they had a lot of really cool things. Um, a lot of that computational cinematography, photography, software things. Um, Actually, I'll, I'm going to move it down to a B plus just because I really don't like um, the Android 12 on on that phone. I think it looks disgusting. I don't like how it looks, and maybe that's just as an Apple fanboy and and iOS user, um, I don't like the software. Um, so I'm actually going to bump, bump it down just for that um, and and the design of the phone. But I'm really looking forward to this phone and what it can do, and I'm really looking forward to how Google further implements their tensor chip um, potentially in uh, some versions of tablets, um, some sort of X version of it or, or a pro or a max version of it. 
Um, we'll see where it goes. I'm more excited to see where the tensor goes um, than how well the Pixel 6 does. Good way of putting it. I'm going to give it a B because I believe that it's got a lot of good features like the photography, like the, the transcription, all of that stuff, the tensor chip. But the things that I think it lacks are, um, like you mentioned, some of the, um, the, the applications of the tensor chip, the UI is disgusting in my opinion. Um, and it's likes material design. Jeez. I, I like material design when it's used properly. I don't like my clock looking like a five-year-old drew it. Um, yeah, it's, so but, but, um, here, you, you could kind of see it on this, uh, where it looks like, yeah, this, this looks like a freaking, and it turns and it's a doily. Yeah, exactly. That's what it looks but like. Anyway, it's a doily. It's the, a solid color doily. Right. Um, and the other thing that I really <laughs> did enjoy is the fact that there will be five years of updates for this phone, which is basically unheard of. But uh, it's a caveat to that. Security it's updates. Five years of total updates, three years of actual system software updates. Right. Which I still think is a pretty okay um, life cycle. I mean, three years of feature updates. Yeah, three years of feature Apple's updates. Apple's got about, six. No, they have six years of maintenance and security. They still they still roll out software updates. I'm still getting. Yeah. There are phones older than mine. But they start cutting off the newest features. OS. Yeah, they they cut off features though. With Android, it's a lot harder to cut off a feature than it would be. Um, so in at least, so that's, that's my ranking. Um, but basically I thought it was pretty, pretty decent event. Yeah. I got two little things to add. Alrighty. That we didn't quite, I think, get around to. I think I might've already forgotten the second. Uh, the, one of the things we didn't get around to, and maybe we address this another time. Maybe we don't is they say they're going to be handling a lot of like the personalized ml learning stuff mm-hmm. uh on device and kind of dealing with it there which that's what you should do it probably shouldn't be your device right uh i don't know how much i trust that it's google i don't know if we want to address that another time or whatever uh i think i had one more thing but i lost track of it so that might be it no worries, no worries. But yeah, we're we're gonna have to end off here, unfortunately. Um, but we had a great discussion on a lot of cool technology that is coming out into the market uh, in the last couple of days. And I don't think we're over for this holiday season yet. I'm expecting a couple oh. of other pretty big announcements coming from some other companies in the tech sphere here. Um, so we will keep on top of that and more with more episodes of Tech Talk Nation. So I'd like to thank Mr. Matt Grislow and Mr. Ryan Eastman for being here again today. It is always a pleasure to do this broadcast, and we would love if you could follow us on social media and um, just follow along, be part of the Tech Talk Nation here, and we love interacting with everybody. So uh, follow us on social media. We will be around hopefully next week to um, go on another show here. And uh Thank you once again for joining us for this special edition of Tech Talk Nation. Have a wonderful night and see you back here next week. Bye, everyone.
Thank you for listening to Tech Talk Nation. Tune in next week for more discussion on the latest in tech.